we touched on this um, yesterday in our group. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Um, I want to talk about service. Service. Um, and it touches me very deeply. Um, and the reason I'm daring to do this, mm -hmm. <laughs> basically I'm pretty shy, um, I feel like I'm at a place where I really, really need some new direction. Um, I'm in a caretaking relationship with a partner very long term. Um, we were in a relationship for 11 years, and um, our life changed overnight. <laughs> uh, he um, was very strong and athletic, and then um, overnight uh, was diagnosed with no symptoms. I mean, symptom he went in for. Um, was for something else, but in the process they discovered he had a, a brain tumor. And uh, the surgery left him uh, paralyzed. Uh, this was 12 years ago. <laughs> so the situation is he's incredibly independent given the circumstances. And a lot of that independence is my support. And uh, the reason I'm here is because I feel like I am becoming abusive. And I've been in the Dharma for 12 years this whole time. And I'm sure it's helped a lot. It's helped a lot. I never, ever saw myself in such a situation. Um, I think many people leave when they get faced with this kind of situation, but I haven't, and I see myself in it. But I want it to have, I don't want it to go where I feel it's going. And most of the time, it's just fine, and I can handle it. I should say, by the way, because it sounds like I'm a martyr or something. There are some wonderful things about this relationship. Um, we have a lot in common. Um, you know, he's a wonderful companion in general. We have the same politics. We have the same values. We love each other's families. So there's a lot of wonderful things about the relationship. The problem is it feels like it's becoming more and more unbalanced. And as we're getting older, as I, I, there's some part of me that, you know, I do a lot of meta around this, and I have for years. I just lose control much more than I should. I mean, it's just not, of course, anyone's going to lose control once in a while in a difficult situation. But I just... Um, um, it's hard to describe, and I don't want to take a lot of time because I really would like to. Clearly, this idea of service is very difficult for me, and I know in the Dharma there's joy in service, and service can be a gift, and all of this. However, I'm having a very hard time. Uh, 
What's the abuse? The abuse um, goes everywhere from shouting. Uh, what do you say? <laughs> um, a lot of this, by the way, which is one of the reasons it feels out of control, is about very minor, dumb little things. Now, some of it is more major, like he puts himself in dangerous situations. He walks, by the way. He walks at the pace of a snail. It's very hard to go any place. A lot of the yelling and it almost, uh, I, it really verges on physical a lot of the time. I, you know, just trying to get places, trying to help do things. And sometimes he puts himself in dangerous situations. But most of it, mm -hmm. most of it is stupid little things where I just, um, everything's fine. And I think everything's fine. And he will say something. Like just the other day, just to give you a dumb little example. The other day we had a really, um, I cook a lot. And, you know, we have nice dinners together. And, and um, so, you know, I thought everything was, one of the things that gets me is really um, angry and shouting and stomping off and all of these things. And what's abusive is, I think one of the things that's really abusive is he doesn't know when it's coming. I will just, I guess, fly off the handle might be one word, but where, you know, I can just see him like, it, 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 you know, I might as well have hit him. I just, uh, you know, I'm, it feels like I'm taking advantage of an unequal situation where I tolerate him for so long, and then I, I'm just, I'm gone. I don't want to be there anymore. I don't want to talk to him anymore. And I will, um, uh, you know, he, he will say something, like after dinner, after we've had this wonderful dinner or something, he will say, uh, weren't we weren't we going to have this, you know? And perfectly innocent. And I I can I just go berserk, you know. One more thing, I can't stand one more thing. So um, right. that no. gives you an idea. A good idea. Serving him with one hand and clobbering him with the other, isn't it? something like that. Mm -hmm. The slow walking. The gap between the two of you Seems rather big, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's rather extreme. Mm. It, it's with everybody. It's not just with me, but I'm the one who's yeah. Mm. You're not really inside his skin very much. You'd mentioned all this in, in the small group. What, what, so it was clearly on your mind, you brought it up again. 
What, what did I say in the small group? What do you recall? In the small group, you said, throw all that loving kindness out. Throw, because my approach has been, you know, I need to show my love for him more. I need to be kinder. You know, I need to do more metta. And you said, throw all that stuff away. Mm. Right. He said, it's your duty. It's your uh, dhamma, mm. which I guess to, I understand to mean it's my karmic duty to be of service in this relationship. And um, I mean, the reason I came up here, I'm trying to understand this better. And I also said, you had just said love was everything. And now you're telling me, throw that, throw that out. That's not it. Um, I do, I have given that some thought, although I'm still trying to understand it. I, um, just a couple things, and maybe you can There's help. a third help point that I mentioned. Oh. I said, throw out all this idealism and the loving kindness, it's true. See things as, oh, 23 years, so there's some dharma here, there's some duty here. What was the third thing I said? Gone. I said, keep your mouth shut. Oh, yes. You told me to keep my mouth shut. So? That's easier said than done, but in other <laughs> words, don't say all those stupid, abusive things. Learn to keep my mouth shut. Mm. Um, <laughs> is the is the uh, rest of your life unfulfilled? No. No. Well, tell us about the rest of your life. Okay. Can I say one other thing first? Mm. <laughs> Keep it short. <laughs> if some if somebody had said to me, What would you do if you were in a relationship and this type of thing happened, you know, I growing up or before this happened, I would have said, I'm out of there, you know, I'm gone, I'm not a caretaker, I, this is you know, it's not my, my thing. Well, Twelve years later, here I am, and I'm not also, I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm in it, but I just can't tolerate the way I'm in it right now. Okay, the rest of my life. <laughs> the rest of my life, um, I'm very fortunate. I am very grateful for the rest of, of my life. I have an extended family on mm -hmm. my side. They're there. I see them a lot. I just retired a year ago, and I'm in heaven, in that realm. Uh, it is just heavenly. One of the things I do is I take six kids, they're all relatives, to piano lessons in school and all kinds right. of things. I do that. Okay. And I, you know, I have friends, I have, I, right. I feel really Message is good. clear and positive. Okay. okay. All right, nice, okay. good. So there is life outside of the environment or the man in your life who uh, you give support to. The word caretaker in your situation is a 
charged and loaded word and also best to get rid of it exactly puts you in a position of too much uh, resistance something somewhere deeper down than all of that has got to some other shift has got to take place here you're, go you're going in with memory you're going in with history <coughs> you're going in with a weight and the poor man says oh is this what's for dinner and it's enough for you to vomit over him so what's going to change this because time may go by and the shoes will be on the other foot understand? That's, that's true and I'm well aware of that I'm also I think part of the, my anxiety all the time is I mean anything could happen to any of us tomorrow you're right, you're right. Today. But today but he is especially vulnerable and mm. you know I he falls <coughs> occasionally. I call 911 because I can't sure. pick him yeah. up. It, it, there's a constant anxiety on my part that, you know, when is the next fall? When is the next crisis? When is the next emergency room? Mm -hmm. Like I say, he's doing beautifully. He's doing beautifully. But it's, it's living like on yellow, I'm, I'm on yellow alert. You're, not, you're still too distant. So, okay. Somewhere it, all that you are talking about is none other than yourself. The situation could just turn around the other way. Not enough intimacy uh, here. He may be crippled, handicapped in one way, but you are as well. You're both in the same soup. I think I hear what you're saying about there's some way in which I'm distancing myself from mm, yeah. this is what's this is the problem mm. this is the problem and I think that's part of the abuse too because I'm it can only be abuse through know. distance so I'm not clear on you have more in common than the differences abusers can only abuse from the distance from dis not realizing what is shared. 
it's not clear to me, you know, where to go with that. I suppose I could do some yeah. psychotherapy and All find right. out, you know. No, therapy, forget it, it's useless. <laughs> That's out. Okay. You could, the whole thing can be resolved sitting here. In any kind of uh, interaction, one can either dwell on the differences, the caretaker and the cared for, the anger and the irritation and the one who is blamed. These, these are all the differences. And you can build the differences up and up and up and up. Makes life terribly difficult. He goes slowly, too slow for you should be an encouragement to do even more slow walking meditation, by the way. But, the voice comes through of what is in common, what is shared. It comes through. Common interest. Time together. Your problem and his problem. This is whatever physical, yours is mental. Still a problem. So you are disabled in one way, he's disabled in another. At times. Somewhere you've got to dig and see what is in common again and again and again till something starts shifting. He is none other than yourself. I would say we were that way for a long time after mm. all this happened. Mm. And what's happened is drifting, drifting, yeah. drifting yeah. away. Easy. Easy, easy. That's the habit, that's the history, and that's the memory that, the, you know, we, one goes in a line with life, one only got to go off one degree from that closeness that you referred to. Only one degree, and you get right out there, and he gets right out there. Only one and now you've got using that emotive language called abuse. It's serious. So the gap, has easily, not intentionally, accelerated itself. So then one's got to get underneath the dualism, the separateness. What do we have in common? And you've got to go on that and that and that and that and that and that and that because something starts shifting inside. He is none other than you, but with a different name. Is there something in the practice uh, um, that would help this? I'm wondering. I mean, I'm just yeah, very, very simple. Sit more. <laughs> Before you take a step to walk into this good man, you walk in like this is the last meeting you'll ever have in your life with him. Before you go and communicate, how far does he live from you? One mile? Uh -huh. 
Well, yeah. Yeah, near, close, whatever. When you go, you go with total readiness, total preparation, total attention, in that movement towards, in the communication and when you live. Every visit has to be totally fresh so that you treat him with the respect he deserves and you treat yourself with the respect that you deserve and then you meet. And if you think there's an easy way around that, you're in cuckoo land. Sometimes you'll blow it, because we all do, because we're human. All right, two steps forward, one step back. Never mind. A new day, a new meeting, fresh beginning, and again, and again, till you're dead. But do it. You can do it. Well, I'll give it a, I'll give it a try. Good spirit. Good. Don't forget. Hmm? Give her the tape. <laughs> eh? The last three minutes of it, she already needs to listen to. Before you go, right, total presence. Every step, meeting, presence. And shut your mouth. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Be kind, clear, finish, walk away. Again and again till you know you can do it. Give it a try, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. My question is about specifically practice instructions. Practice instructions. All right. Instructions here have been very uh, open-ended mm. compared to what I'm used to with some other retreats. So I wanted to check yeah, in that, with uh, you. Open-ended <laughs> instructions compared to. <laughs> Go on. I just uh, want to make sure I'm practicing correctly. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell, tell us the, um, um, the unopen-ended instructions. <laughs> what, what, what have you listened to okay. in, from others? My retreats with uh, Sahira Upandita and some of the other Upandita, whoa! Guys, all right, all right, <laughs> it's clear. All right, they're they're very aggressive about noting, noting, noting. Very noting, keen. Noting. I know. Mm. So, in the uh, beloved Upandita tradition, they're as you say, very precise, very uh, detailed, and very keen on the moment-to-moment noting. It's a, they're famous for it. So then along comes Howie. What, what's the, what's the <laughs> sorry, he'll watch his sensations. So um, say a little bit, of, explain the difference in style a little bit. So listen to Howie two or three mornings. 
Okay, so my interpretation of what I'm hearing with Howie is uh, to be very mindful of yep. the breath, to notice that as the breath progresses, mm -hmm. rising, well, it doesn't actually say rising and falling, as it goes in and out, yes. to observe some aspect of the breath, and as the attention goes somewhere else, to observe where the attention has gone, mm -hmm. and return to the breath. Mm. All right. Nice. So, one is more, um, how would you describe the difference between the two? Like, with Pandita? Yeah. Well, with Howie, it's like feeling the air off a butterfly's wings. Air off a butterfly's wings. Compared to nice Pandita, one. where it'd be like using my attention as a machine gun to just really Whoa. attack <laughs> everything. I'm going to quote that contrast. <laughs> I think it's brilliant. Air on a butterfly's wings and the machine gun approach. <laughs> You're right. I think it's a very good metaphor. All right. What's the value of the machine gun approach? What, what, what? How many days did you do? A hundred. A hundred days? Last year. This year's 27. That's right. Where? Uh, in Malaysia at MBMC mm, oh with yeah. one of his other students. But I was sat with him at TMZ and San all right, you're, you're, you're a dedicated yogi. Nice. All right, so what was the value of strict, focus, moment to moment, noticing, hardcore discipline? What, 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 what are the benefits that have come? Uh, three characteristics. Yes. Precise, moment to moment knowledge of the three characteristics. Uh, you, uh, explain so okay. that there's good so beginners in here. Uh, Upandita is very adamant about. Uh, understanding the three characteristics of everything you experience. So the three characteristics would be anicca, impermanence, and at a very precise level, it's not about your car is eventually going to rust, it's about <laughs> you, you feel a tingling or, or some sort of sensation rising and passing or coming into uh, the ability to be observed. You see it and then you see it disappear like a vibration. Anything you focus on, breath, thought, emotion, comes and goes several times a second, just quick. Um, and then the second characteristic would be dukkha, suffering. You notice how nothing, none of these little quick transient sensations satisfy at all. They don't necessarily cause pain like suffering, but they're completely unsatisfactory. There's no satisfaction. It's not quench any thirst. And the third characteristic is no self. So the specific version of this uh, characteristic would be you notice no sensation seems to be you at all. I mean, it rises and it passes away. How could it have any self in it whatsoever? So this sense of second person observer, the sense of a watcher, seems to be there, but if you look, you can't find it. So inquiry into that third characteristic, you're really observing or trying to notice how this process of observation even takes place. You're trying to look for where there's a sense of self and break that down. Bravo. Very clear communication. Right, so, Howie? <laughs> the, is it the contrast between the Burmese style and the California style? <laughs> uh, I suppose. So, so, what's the sense here? 
first time sitting and listening to instructions from Harry or myself? That's correct. Right, okay. Um, well, I attempted to do some of the Mahasi style noting practice, and I felt like it wasn't what I was being taught. So I, I was wanting to be open to what was going on here. So I approached, I'm approaching my practice with a greater emphasis on acceptance of my experience and a less emphasis on tearing my experience apart. So I'm just allowing myself to accept this present moment, accept whatever the sense of self is, accept whatever degree of satisfaction there is, and completely grasp it from moment to moment, or if I'm lost, then allow that to be there and just make sure that I'm aware of what's happening be mindful. There is, of course, there is some direction on the breath and what happens with my attention, but there's there's less rigidity to how I'm focusing. Natural teaching material here, isn't that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> how old are you? 24. Impressive. Nice one. Good teachers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Take your credit for yourself here. So, sometimes, as you point out, I'll just uh, reflect and I'll ask a little bit. We engage, and it's a very valuable and worthwhile exploration of uh, these intensive forms of practice. They are uh, a challenge to us. Upandita is rightfully so, one of the uh, high priests of intensive practice, and encourages that strongly focused, concentrated, attentive approach. And in that, ensuring, as you point out, that, that conscious attention really witnesses change at subtle level, really which witnesses the unsatisfactoriness of it, and especially the holding on to, and that it's a process which is going on from moment, one moment to the next rather than I, me and mine, the not-self. And clearly then being in touch with these characteristics of existence. You said you did, what was it, 100 days? 90 days or something? Yes, roughly. Yeah, roughly. Then uh, another period, 27 days? Last year it was 21, 21, 100, and then another month. This year is 27. And when you first, the history here, but when you first began, that was first time of meditation and dharma practice? First long retreat. There had been some 10 days. Wow. Dedicated to you. Nice. What's been some of the benefits for you in putting so much attention and interest and focus and uh, strictness of that approach. What, what's been the benefits for you? What, what, what have you understood or learnt or appreciated, realized okay. for you? With the aggressive investigation of three characteristics, um, aggressive. <laughs> one of my pri other primary teachers is very, very uh, emphatic about the, the maps, the progress of insight. Who's one of your other teachers? Daniel Ingram, I believe. 
Yes, yes. He's very emphatic. Oh, yes. <laughs> he would be. All right, go <laughs> on. Go on. Hello, <laughs> Daniel. You've written the book, right? Quite. Yes, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. All right. So, uh, one, one of the advantages of paying attention to, say, physical sensations, mm. and any sensation where you can really look at the three characteristics clearly, mm -hmm. is you can avoid getting lost in thought so much yeah. and getting carried away yeah. in, in interpretation. You don't have to think about what's happening or no. understand it. You can just notice, oh, yes, okay, it's passing away. Yeah. Oh, that's painful. Okay, mm. let's just keep observing. Mm. And with that, there's also some confidence and practice that comes mm. as the vibrations shift mm. and the different phenomenon changes. Mm. And you can see on the map, at least that things are moving, that yes. you're not completely stagnant. Right, right, right. Lovely, lovely. So the very dedication in that focused way, single-pointed way, to that kind of meditation keeps one in touch with change, keeps one in touch with life unfolding moment to moment, with uh, a sense of process, map, progress uh, taking place. And there is a lot of valuable cutting through a lot of unnecessary thought, ideation, patterns, uh, etc. Is there any Achilles heel to it? There's an attachment to to progress, right? to a goal, to a goal and mm -hmm. to needing to have phenomenon behave in a certain way, yeah. or to appear a certain way. So, have you cultivated that attachment? Probably to some degree, sure. What would tell you? Some, anything that we explore or investigate can be eye-opening, insightful, and also we can get rather attached to it. What would give you some indication, intimation that you might, I don't know if you are, but you might, you could be getting attached to it? What would, what would, um, what would be a signal that we're getting attached to something? In this case, a certain meditation method. Fear of an, another, fear of something changing, fear of another method, or abandoning yeah. this previous way. Nice. Yeah. So the holding and the holding on to could be ending up as a, oh, I only do this and resisting something else. And as you pointed out a little bit earlier, there's, more credit to you, some exploration of a different approach, and then the memory is coming, oh, I could go back to what I was uh, doing. And in the best spirit of things, all is letting go. So we let go of what we have done before to be as much as possible receptive and open, in this case to the instructions of how we now, and when you leave here, don't cling to what took place here. It's the core of all of the teaching is very simple, liberation through non-clinging. It's only about that beginning through middle and end. In the approach here, it's early. have you sat any retreats where uh, instructions here have been similar elsewhere? Any other teachers with mm. more acceptance, more just being with the experience, 
being in touch with things without that, you would call it concentrated intensity. Right. Actually, uh, earlier this year, after the 27 day with Pandita, I came mm -hmm. straight here. Mm -hmm. It was a jhana retreat, mm -hmm. and I consulted with Steve Armstrong, and he said, don't do the jhanas, continue your practice, but avoid your goal-oriented practice. Mm. Attempt to do nothing, not stop meditating, mm -hmm. but notice what it's like to do nothing. Just don't, don't right. practice. Right. And yeah. that was disorienting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I bet. Not something one would hear from Upandita very much, I would imagine. Not at all. No, Never. no, <laughs> no. All right, so, there, I mean, and Steve has done a lot of Upandita practice. Yes. I mean, he's well-schooled in the tradition. So, sometimes we hear another exploration, just be, do nothing, have no goal. Let's see what reveals itself through the present. And that resonates with some of the instruction here. What was the original intention to come and sit here? This, this retreat, specifically. This one here? On this cushion. I, okay. Well, I wanted to check with you that mm. I was practicing properly, mm -hmm. that this looser approach is appropriate. Yes. Well, everything I hear is good news. Okay. The, good uh, to know relationship to uh, the long term, longer term, of uh, Upandita and uh, the time that you've uh, put in, your uh, willingness to continue the exploration in different form, different style, yet much shared in common, uh, uh, clearly, and aware of the possibilities for holding that can go on. Sometimes, with path and goal, is the sense of goal helpful? And if so, how would you describe goal? If, if say, you are moving towards, what might you be moving towards? Well, I technically define my goal yes. as first awakening, as right. sotapanna, right. as some teachers have encouraged. Yeah. But not to define what that really is, just yeah. to go right. and let it arise. All right. What's any sense of the relationship, the connection, not easy question this, between looking at the characteristics, being just present, and the kind of awakening that is referred to. What, what might you wish to awaken to? The truth of the three characteristics. The truth of the three characteristics. In the uh, seeing of them, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness and not-self, just process. Are they the truth? It's a difficult question. And hang in. Are they the truth or, as is said, just characteristics? 
Take your time. A hard question. <laughs> Why are they called characteristics? Why aren't they called three truths? answer that I like. <laughs> well, if these were three characteristics that were the truth, you go and find, and then, okay, I found, I discovered the truth. Right. It's not that juicy. Um, You're right. They are, the Dharma language is very, very precise, three characteristics of existence. Mm. Okay. That's three truths. Three characteristics of existence. What does that whisper to you? What does that tell you a little bit about? So the question would be, what, you know, what is existence? Right. So sometimes in the foolish projections on existence, as we all know only too well, we get caught up in the idea of continuity, life, relationship, what I own, what I have, and it gets very painful when the continuity that we assumed becomes discontinuous. It changes, it dissolves, it fades away. So we're encouraged, wisely so, to really keep seeing change. So when change comes in our face, oh, it's another change. And we're not shell-shocked and this in despair about it because we nearly know the characteristic is change and there's something unsatisfactory about it we haven't got any control over it we think we have change is going on and it's all rather impersonal process that's going on if let me ask again there is a seeing of these three characteristics characteristics of existence more clearly what's the sense inside of yourself? You see nothing is worth clinging to change is unfolding life is unfolding holding on to it is problematic hold on to existence we'll keep being faced with non-existence hold on to life we'll be facing with death Hold on to having, we'll be faced with not having. Look into all this. These are characteristics of existence. What's the sense inside in those times and moments when you're very clear? These are just characteristics. Well, it still seems like there's some suchness. There's some stuff like painted with these characteristics All right. and when you ask that it, it begins to seem like there isn't even necessarily a, a thing that has those characteristics mm -hmm. like, right. like three colors shining off of them but rather it's just some effulgence and some effulgence, effulgence it's yeah. a three dollar word but I, three it, dollar word. It, it took it took off yeah it took off the sort of 
uh, like bulky mm -hmm. kind of contained ideas about them. Mm -hmm. right. Does that make sense? Sort of. Three dollars worth. I'll keep it, Sometimes in the witnessing of this, we get the sense of how much overlay there is on what exists. Hmm? How much we put into it. I'm sick. We put a lot into it. I had this, I've lost it. We put a lot into it. I, this is what's going on for me in my life. And we put a lot, lot into it. And all of that, as you say in so many ways, kind of get wrapped around. And then our existence is built up on all of this. Right. So part of the function of seeing the three characteristics is to cut through all the layers that we put on top of it all get down to some simple actuality and in some way free ourselves up from all that we have invested into what we think matters and exists. Is there freeing up going on for you? It has been. And it's sort of mellowed out. It has been. I mean, there's been a, a change. There's been some increasing freedom. Yes. Uh, but there, I've hit sort of a a solidity of this this sort of space I'm in. Things mm -hmm. aren't really clearly changing. Mm. You have to repeat again. I didn't pick up. Okay. But you're doing great, but you just a little bit say a little more. Okay. Uh, with with some practice, some retreats. Yeah. Um, some meditation inquiry, there's a, a increasing clarity of the three characteristics yeah. and a corresponding sort of freedom. All right. It's not necessarily an ease, but it's a type of, yeah. Yeah, it's a freedom. Yeah. Where there was a point earlier this year that change stopped. And I can still look at you know sensation and see it changing on a microscopic level, but my sense of freedom about mm. life or attitude or experience has been kind of just what it is okay I'm kind of hanging out here I can see a, a, a room for more freedom I can hear it too do you think it's vitally necessary to keep focusing again and again and again and again on the three characteristics no I don't Nice. It's just one way you can draw the distinction. All right. Nice. Good attitude. So, as the Buddha said, having looked at the three characteristics, one turns one's attention to liberation. What's your response? Sure. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Who would dare disagree with the Buddha? <laughs> How will you know when the right time is to turn your attention? Well, I, I think my attention is towards that already. But you could get 
quite, I don't say you are, but you could get so focused on seeing impermanence, mm. seeing the unsatisfactoriness of being caught up in this unreliable realm, seeing how impersonal it is and mm. an ego and I, me and my thinking it's all about me. And you could be so focused on seeing that you could forget to turn your attention to interest in liberation. Sure. Some do. They become dedicated yogis and forever seeing Anicca Dukkha and Atta morning, noon and night. And they forget it's not the truth. It's a characteristic. So, how's that in being here? What, what, what are you giving attention to while you're here? When you're sitting down there in your yeah. white outfit. Um, I have an intention. Yeah. I wish to wake up. I wish to be liberated. And so I sit, and then I notice what's there. Yeah. Okay. Does the note... And I love your responses, I have to say. Uh, the noticing of what's there is what's there, which are all characteristics of existence. Does it really matter? What's there or the noticing? Uh, both. But we're, let's go for what's there first. Does it really matter? No, it shouldn't. Eh? I mean, I like some what's there better than others, but it shouldn't matter. I mean, all experience should be drenched with the truth. That's nice. You came up with some good one-liners. <laughs> All experience should be drenched with the truth. Nice. Butterflies, machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> I have to credit some of these to Daniel. T to Daniel. I better read his book again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, we often think, what I notice is important. But I've looked, I see, these are just char characteristics of existence. A little dance. Did you say it is important? It isn't. It is okay. Hmm? It's just a little characteristic right. of existence. There's a little dance in consciousness. And as one good person on the retreat said in the small group, just realizing the little noises that are going on inwardly are essentially no different from the crickets chirping out there in the trees. Right. Same, same event. And the crickets have no power to block the truth, and nor does the little chirping inside of you. What's the response? I'm mostly okay with that. There's a little bit that isn't. There's a little bit that's afraid that if I'm okay with it, then I won't be okay with it. Yeah. Or that I won't wake up or yeah. something. I hear lots of, I'm sure others do too, and, um, lots of good signals here of uh, the waking up process is alive and well inside of you. And you communicate it very confidently sitting up here. There's a few. The last place on earth they would be is come up here. You know. Anywhere else but there. That's partially why I came up, because I was kind of afraid to. Good spirit. Good spirit. This is waking up. Nice. Good to listen to you. Thank you. Very good. <coughs> very good indeed. Thank you.
as we were uh, listening a little earlier to the person in relationship to her partner, we can find, as we listen inwardly, that the heart is in the right place. And being in the right place, it simply doesn't want to persist or continue in negative reactivity, in finding fault, in um, raising the voice, uh, or in any way inflicting the reactivity upon the one that one loves. So the heart's in the right place. But as we know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that by itself will bring about a change. Because the accumulative habit, the pattern, the passage of time can move in rather quickly and so we're back into the reactivity. And then we can be blaming ourselves, or blaming the situation or whatever and that then perpetuates it further. Sometimes, though the heart is in the right place, our mind hasn't made itself up that it really, really is quite determined to make a change and a shift. And we shouldn't forget or neglect the importance of bringing a full focus of attention to the situation. And one of the things that you and I are reminding each other of while we're here is the fresh beginning, the new experience, the not clinging to the old, the not indulging in the pattern, to be really focused in the present moment so that the sense and the quality and the feeling for that then can be applied in the situation where it is really needed. So every time you and I, we bring our focus and attention back to the present moment, we refocus, we sit mindfully, we walk mindfully, we focus. We just want to conserve enough of that experience, not for all the situations where our life is fluid, but for those situations which really do test the metal. And every single one of us has situations which test the metal. And therefore, that's our practice in those moments. There are some situations in life where we have gone along comfortably and the comfortableness of it has brought about a neglect of mindfulness, a neglect of awareness the effect of which, through ignoring the signals, it's quietly, unconsciously accumulating. And the effect of that comes about the reaction. A sudden blow-up, intense anxiety, waves of fear, terrible insecurity, or whatever it might be. That's the fruit of what has been neglected and ignored as the pa in the passage of time. And as human beings, when we're living unmindfully and unaware, taking situations, people, places for granted, 
They're terribly vulnerable to having to deal with a sudden upsurge of anxiety or agitation or blame and then we can feel overwhelmed if not despairing about it. We pay a price for not being mindful, for not being aware. And so when we look at ourselves in such an environment as here, we just need, it's not easy, but we need to be as clear as possible within ourselves what are the areas or areas in our life which are most difficult to attend to. And with the heart in the right place, i.e. wishing to change, recognizing that may not be enough, therefore what is the, ab the absolute necessary kind of step that's really going to make a difference and to then implement it. When it's implemented it's called insight. When it's not, it's just a good idea. And the difference between being awake in life and being unhappy is that the insight is actualized. The insight is actualized. In lovely situation uh, of uh, exploring uh, uh, just then, the important and invaluable reminder and a number of you here have uh, engaged in varieties of forms of uh, meditation uh, practice. And some have a more concentrated form, as we were just hearing. And there's great value uh, in that, and there are teachers who put that as a, as a focus. Other teachings and practice put more emphasis on the awareness and the settling into the moment and learning clearly to be steady with it. In either case, in both cases, both have a, an ability in life for us to provide tremendous insight and awareness. Both have their vulnerability. Those who, in a very concentrated practice, the vulnerability is control. The vulnerability is becoming tight, very serious. And therefore something in the feeling, emotional life doesn't get the chance to flow because of the seriousness that goes with it. And one has to be vigilant about that kind of uh, concentrated approach. The vulnerability of greater awareness, a more expansive kind of approach, as with the instructions given here, is that the mind can become complacent, lazy, lose vigilance, and just drift, drift along in the name of meditation, which ain't any meditation. It's a big, messy drift. That's the vulnerability when the instructions are given as given here. So it takes a real vigilance with ourselves, a real care and engagement uh, with the moment to find that which works well for us. It's not about method, it's not about technique, it's not about teacher, it's about finding the wisdom to be able to handle any situation 
clearly. And when something comes along in our life, as it must, because it's what life is about, which is challenging for us, which does disturb us in some way or other, then we have to find the resources, quite often, inwardly and outwardly, which enable us to have enough confidence and trust to work with what the, what the situation is. I have to be able to find the resources inwardly and outwardly and say, okay, with the core question, how, what do I need to do? What do I need to be clear about to be able to hand this situation, whatever it is, wisely, with wisdom? Because the teachings are only about wisdom. It's not about preservation of religion. It's not about importing something from the East. It's not a philosophy or anything. It's the teachings and the goal of the teachings are about a wisdom in life which is authentically liberating. And if, if an issue has come up for you, and you see it from the past, and it's come up again, the reason for its re-arising, it's re-arising, it's inwardly, the inner life is saying, this requires attention to bring out the wisdom. That's all. Every problem is just a reminder to us it needs wisdom to deal with it. And then life is no problem. No problem with life. It's just doing its mysterious and magical dance. The crickets outside chirping away and the crickets inside chirping away what's the difference Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.